back to the Dropping Dives Podcast. We are your hosts, Isaac and Aaron. And today we're going to be reviewing the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Talking about what happened, some things that we noticed, key takeaways from each and every game. Going into the AFC and NFC Championship. And some potential predictions of what will happen in those games. So, with that all being said, Aaron, go ahead and start us off with your thoughts on the Giants and the Eagles game. Yeah, um, so this game was an absolute just domination. I think a lot of people knew that this game was going to come down to that, that there wasn't really, like, I, I don't want to say there there wasn't a chance for the Giants to win this, but, like, come on. You know, like, the, the this team, the Eagles are such a well-rounded team, um, and they really, they just they just have this, like, in every area, they have really good, talented guys. Um, and the Giants really just had a one-sided uh, team. And I feel like the Eagles' defense was able to really stop the, the the Giants for a good portion of that game. And I think by happening, this game was kind of, I don't want to say over, but, I mean, like, it was, it was a blowout. And um, the Eagles looked really, really good. Um, we'll have to see how they do next week, but, um, so yeah, like, Daniel Jones, like, he just looked really uncomfortable during this game, uh, and part of that is just because the Eagles defense was just doing such a good job of, of keeping him in check, not letting him go outside the pocket, um, and use his legs to, to pick up more first downs. You saw how last week in the Vikings game, that was such a big thing for them in their offense. Um, Saquon Barkley, it was really hard for him. I mean, he got loose a couple times, but you know, it was really hard for him to to really find those those holes to run through. Um, the Eagles are they're a strong team, man, and uh, like I said, their this next Sunday game is going to be really exciting. Um, but really dominant performance from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I love Nick Sirianni's uh, that face he made towards the camera. It's such a like those cameras, the way that it's working now. It's just so cool to see that coaches just like be upbeat and live with it, you know. Um, and also another thing, too, is, like, Jalen Hurts and that offense ran, like, six plays, but four different times. Like, there was four different options that he could do within those six plays. So, like, that offensive line is so good and that offensive scheme is so good behind Nick Sirianni is that it doesn't matter what play type it is. Anything can happen inside of that play because he gives Jalen Hurts the reins to be able to do that. So it's just so cool, and it's so hard to stop. So, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. The Eagles simply dominated in that game, and there wasn't anything that the Giants could do about it. They dominated offensively. Uh, that's, what's it called, able to be seen with Dexter Lawrence. He didn't even have one pressure in this game, and he has been one of the most dominant defensive linemen in this season. And... Not even letting up a pressure. This Eagles O-line did a great job protecting Jalen Hurts. And as for, you know, the Giants side of it, do you extend Daniel Jones this next offseason? That's my question. Because he really made a lot heaps leaps and bounds this season and has been a top 15 quarterback, maybe even a top 10 if you would dare to say that, I guess. And... I really don't know if you would. What What are your thoughts? Do you think you would extend Daniel Jones going into this offseason, or do you think you'd go try to get someone in the draft or go someplace else 
they find someone else in free agency to pick up and potentially lead this team into the playoffs next year. So, I I mean, there there obviously is different uh, methods of doing it. Don't say they should try to use the draft. If they're going to move the quarterbacks, try to get, you know, you could try to get, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, but personally for me, in my opinion, I think you rock with Danny because he's made so much improvement in this year. I think if you give him, like, he has Saquon Barkley, who is um, a really good guy out of, the, out of the backfield that he can lean to on pass checkdowns, and we lean to him in that sense. But on the outside, I feel like they just need to get more weapons on the outside to help him, and I think his play will get even better. Um, this is a scrambling quarterback lead where you need to be at least somewhat mobile in this league to get a, get around, you know? Tom Brady showed his struggles where, you know, if that that offensive line was so bad that they got pressure on Brady, Brady can't move. Well, uh, Daniel Jones is like, he, 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 that's what he's best at is, is moving around and scrambling. Um, and um, you're seeing that progress um, continue to go up, and he's continuing to go up. You know, he hasn't got, you know, he hasn't flattened out at all. He's just continuing to go up. I, I, I'd say go for it, you know. Um, you'll probably get him for a lot cheaper than you'll get any of the, these quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, that contract, is, I don't know if anybody wants to deal with that contract. And Lamar Jackson wants a bag. So if the Giants want to be able to contend and also want to sign players, because their offense it, their offense isn't completely, it's, their offense isn't amazing. They got Saquon Barkley, who is, you know, a top five running back. He showed it this year. Um, but... They need more weapons on the outside for Danny to throw to, and they can't do that if they spend so much money on Lamar or Aaron Aaron Rodgers, you know. So I do think that the play is to re-sign Daniel Jones because he showed it that he can be a, a good quarterback, maybe a top-10 quarterback. And, you know, anytime you got a top-10 quarterback and you got a defense like that and you got a good running back and you got some weapons on the outside, anything can happen. And I love their coaching staff. So, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that last statement. Brian DeBall has done great this year for this team and has really made this team what it is, in my opinion. I think he's the coach of the year. But, as for the Daniel Jones conversation, if he, as if he should be extended, I think he definitely should. I think if they were to get someone like a Lamar Jackson, that obviously is an improvement. And yeah. because Daniel Jones is basically like a little Walmart Lamar, essentially, is what we saw in the playoffs this year. Not in this what game, necessarily. But, yep. what's it called, in the first round, we've seen what he had, he could do for this team. But Lamar Jackson is the clear-cut better player of the two, obviously. However, I don't think it's going to be the l lack of wanting Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson as to why they do extend Daniel Jones. I think it's gonna they will extend him because Lamar Jackson's not gonna go, gonna wanna go to the New York Giants because he don't he wants to go someplace that has receivers and that will build a team around him. I personally think he's gonna go to the Lions. However, that's just my own take because that team is already built for a high paid, overpaid quarterback. Right? Not saying that necessarily Jared Koff is overpaid, but because he's been good he, they, but they have a system that they could do that. And as for Aaron Rodgers signing him, I think they might because Aaron. I mean, all I think Aaron Rodgers is for is for the bag. But I also think that he would rather go to the Jets, where they have young wide receivers like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, 
to build off build off of allow him to take that role. That's basically a playoff team if they get Aaron Rodgers, the Jets next year. So with that being said, I think that yeah, Daniel Jones will get extended. And then one more thing, the takeaway that I had from this game is James Bradbury. He really had put on a revenge game scheme, whatever, in this game. He did really good. He played great coverage against Daniel Jones and or when playing, you know, against the wide receivers that aren't very good. Daniel Jones couldn't do a whole lot because of those wide receivers. But nonetheless, he did a really good job. He had one interception in this game and two passes defended, which are really good. That's like a really good game for just one. It's not like exquisite or elite. Nonetheless, though, against the team that cut you for salary when you weren't even taking up that much cap space, that's a revenge game for James Bradbury, and I really like to see that because he's done a really good job playing the cornerback position this year. And in my opinion, is a top seven cornerback. He's done great, and it's really inevitable in this game. I thought that was really entertaining to watch, and I hope that he could keep that same pace up against the 49ers. But at the same time, I hope he doesn't because I want the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl so I could be right. So, I mean, he could go either way, and I'd be fairly happy and content with it. Mm. However, uh, moving on, though, into the Chiefs versus Jags game. I want to first talk about the Patrick Mahomes injury and what impact it might have going into the AFC Championship, right? I think that he will still be, like, just dominant, straight dominant in this game. I think Patrick Mahomes, as a pocket passer, is still a top-five quarterback in the league. I think people really underrate his ability to just sit in the pocket and just start slinging the ball from there because obviously what he usually does is he plays hero ball. He'll go out, scramble around, create a lot of opportunities, throw it deep that way. That's the Patrick Mahomes we know. However, we also have seen before his ability to sit in the pocket in every single game. It's not like every single time he's just running out the pocket as soon as he gets the ball. He's not that Kyler Murray type of person where every single time he gets the ball. Now Kyler does it because he's too short and he has to like you know be able to see the field and whatnot. Patrick Mahomes doesn't need to do that. He So he doesn't do that. It's not in every single play. It's just if his offensive line collapses, if he needs to make a play, he does that. I think he will still do a really good job, even if they are sick. Because they're saying that this ankle injury isn't as bad as what I was expecting it to be. I thought it was a high ankle sprain. We saw Mike Williams and Cooper Cup miss a significant time this season from a high ankle sprain. We just saw Tony Pollard go down last week. Or no, that was this week. I was thinking last week, because tomorrow's Sunday, and I'm tweaking. But we saw Tony Pollard go down with a high ankle sprain, and that's going to be a long recovery. But I think the difference is, is that those are, like, explosive skill positions. Like, wide receiver and running back, you need to be running. Quarterbacks, Aaron was talking about what's called quarterbacking while we were in our off time, and that's basically, like, the equivalent of being a true point guard in the NBA, like a true quarterback, like a pocket passer doing what a base-level quarterback should do. I think Patrick Mahomes is still a really successful person in that aspect, and can lead his team to a lot of success while doing that. And so I don't think his injury will take as much of a toll as I was originally expecting. I do expect to see Kelsey get a lot higher targets, and I think the offensive line in this game will have to play a huge impact, especially because they have one of the best offensive lines in football, and the Bengals have sneakily one of the best defensive lines in football. Trey Hendrickson is a great pass rusher. If they don't get stop him, 
Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be able to run out the pocket. Patrick Mahomes will take some hits. So I think this game will really come down to, obviously, Mahomes and how well he actually plays as a pocket passer, but also the offensive line for the Chiefs. I think that will be a really big impact in that game. What are your thoughts going into this game and about the Chiefs and Jags? Um, yeah, so I agree with a lot of... Well, 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, Sorry, guys, my... I just can't talk today. Anyways, but, yeah, I do agree with a lot of what you just said there. Um, as a Bengals fan going into it, you know, you have to prepare that Patrick Mahomes is going to be 100%. You know, you can't do that and be like, oh, well, let's blitz him. Well, Patrick Mahomes is still really, really good against the blitz. You cannot blitz someone like that. He's still a top-five quarterback, like Isaac said, um, when he's in the pocket and he's just throwing. You know, he, his arms, the different arm slots he can throw from um, creates versatility in the way that he gets it out. Um, he can still read coverages really well. Um, and he's got an arm, and he's got that, he's got an arm, and he can, he just, he just is he's just magical. So, um, I would say, like, the biggest thing for Cincinnati um, Sunday is to just play their game still. Um, nothing changes. Um, the offensive line for Kansas City's, um, they're going to have, um, Joe Tini or Thini, or whatever you say his name, um, back. He didn't play the last time the Bengals played. He's a really good offensive lineman, left guard. Um, and a, a key matchup to watch for, like you mentioned, is Orlando Brown and Trey Hendrickson. Um, Trey Hendrickson got the best of Orlando Brown the last time they faced off. Orlando Brown's going to have to be solid on the outside, um, especially because Mahomes, uh, with a high ankle sprain, the thing is with high ankle sprains is there's different grades to high ankle sprains, um, using grade 1, grade 2, grade 3. Grade 3, obviously, is the worst. Um, and imagine with how he's walking right now, it's a grade 1. Really all, all, about, all about a high ankle sprain is pain tolerance. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, just going out there, you're still you're still able to do things, but you, it's going to be painful. Um, and I bet he's going to be on um, a lot of. I bet he's probably going to take some painkillers probably before this game. Uh, he's probably been, you know, his treatment. You no, know, it's not like he's taking, you know, ice out of the fridge and or the freezer and and put on his ankle and that's his way of treatment. No, I mean he's an NFL player and he's the best NFL player in the in the in the, uh, in the world. So. He's going to get the best treatment he can. He's going to be ready for Sunday. Um, so I think the biggest thing for the Bengals is to play they like how they normally do, adjust to what's going on. If he is less than 90%, then you'll see that, obviously, and then make adjustments to that. But you got to prepare for Mahomes like he's going to be 100%. Um, if you're not, then we're going to be in a long game. And I think if we don't prepare for him like that, then it will be Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, and you can look at the Jags game. When he played in the second half, I mean, he still played well. Now, it worries me. The one thing that does worry me, you know, from a medical standpoint, is the the ability to take a hit and be able for that for that uh, ankle to, you know, conserve that hit and to be able to um, regain his balance or you know be able to walk up or get up from it. You know, you take a bad hit or you you know somebody rolls on that thing again. That's the dangerous part about it, you know. And um, um, as a Bengals fan, I'm also, you know, being a, I'm also a really big football fan. And I would like to see Patrick Mahomes, even though I hate Kansas City Chiefs, and I sometimes hate Patrick Mahomes because he's just too good. It would be nice to see Patrick Mahomes around for a while. 
Um, you don't want to see an injury like that happen, but um, you know, just being conservative, I think you're going to see a lot of checkdowns. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be someone to watch for during this game, I feel like, as well. Travis Kelsey's obviously going to get those targets, but I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to be used a lot in the in the in the checkdown game. I think you're going to see a lot of quick game from Kansas City. Um, so that's just my thoughts on that. Um, you know, it's still Patrick Mahomes. He's going to probably be 90% plus. Um, he's going to be ready to go. He's trying to he's trying to defeat Burrow and try to to ice all that talk that the Cincinnati Bengals and really Bengals fans have been talking this week about. So we'll see if he gets it done. Yep, 100%. I really think that. You summed that up really well from a medical standpoint and looking into what's going to happen with that ankle and the dangers of playing on it. I also, real quick, want to give a quick shout-out to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, what's it called, did keep this game close. Going into the third quarter, it was 20-17. Mm-hmm. to 17. Mm-hmm. They did a lot better of a job than what people were expecting. Trevor Lawrence is now 37-1 on Saturdays. Real tough for him. But, you mm-hmm. know, every, every record has to be stopped at some point, right? Oh, and yeah. He, they, I mean, they put up a good effort. They put up a good fight, keeping it to twenty, and twenty to seventeen, uh, when you weren't even expected to make it past the divisional round, let alone maybe even by some people the playoffs. Like if you told me mm-hmm. at, in week five that the Jags were a playoff team, I would not have thought that you were telling the truth. I would simply would have been like, okay, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's move on from the conversation. Vikings are going to the Super yeah. Bowl. So, uh, my takes didn't age too well either in that aspect. And we saw them do a really good job against the Chiefs. So, yeah, good good on them. I think they'll run it back next year. Yeah, they'll be as, good. They'll as, be back. Especially with Calvin Ridley coming back, I think that'll be a really key piece for them. And Because mm-hmm. people seem to forget that he's even on that team. That'll be a really good team, especially with Trevor Lawrence making the progressions that he has in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, that offense is going to be great. And Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen on the pass rush, that that's going to be a good team, scary team to look out for next year. Yep. But I think we should go ahead and move on to the Cowboys versus 49ers, right? <laughs> Where there was a lot to say about this game. Oh, right? my gosh, this game. I think the, the obvious thing that provided some comedic comedy for us was that last play by the Cowboys. I think they make a, an effort every single year to oh provide God. some comedy in their last play. Like last year, the QB draw on what's called, with eight seconds left. Great play call, really? honestly. Ne- never seen anything better. I think that the, the mind who said, yeah, I think we should do this, it, it, I think they're the simply above they, us. They grabbed the ball and then placed it down like they were the ref. You know the refs is supposed to be the one that touches the ball first, and they grab the ball and put it down like they're about to snap it again. It's just like, what are you guys doing? You can't do that, silly. Come on. Do that. <laughs> and then oh my. we got to see, what's it called, Ezekiel Elliott just get absolutely leveled in oh, this dude. last play. Oh, my God. <laughs> Laid out. I don't even... The screen. I don't even know what they were thinking that they were going to try to accomplish with that. It's Ezekiel Elliott. Like at least put Zach Martin or someone right yeah, there. Yeah. Like someone yeah. that's an actually good blocker that could potentially protect Dak Prescott if you were gonna make a hail mary trick play, whatever. That's probably what the move should have been instead of just letting Ezekiel Elliott just get absolutely put to the ground. And Dude, and then the guy who caught the ball got put to the ground. 
Like, <laughs> right. That whole play was bad. It was awful. It was really funny, but it was awful from a football stance. <laughs> but I was a Cowboys fan, I'd just be like, yeah, this is, I'm done. The Walmart, the lines at Walmart after that game in Dallas, Texas is going to be just absurd. The sheer amount oh. of Cowboys fans going to buy a new TV after they just smashed the crap out of that one. Don't blame them. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the actual game a little bit more. As I've mentioned earlier, the Tony Pollard injury, that sucks. That sucks so mm-hmm. much. He yeah. is such a good young running back. I think they keep Zeke, especially now, after this, because uh, trading him away wouldn't be good, especially depending on how well Tony Pollard's going to play coming back. Obviously, the high ankle sprain is some concern. I don't think it'll be so bad that it'll affect his game in the long run way too much, right? But definitely a little bit. You'll definitely see some impacts on there uh, from, uh, what's it called? Oftentimes players, whenever they get injured, might have a hard time going back to using that whatever got injured, right? So if it's like a shoulder for a quarterback, it might be a little bit harder mentally to get back into using that shoulder like that. For a running back, it might be a little bit harder to start putting your entire body weight back onto that ankle again. And I think that might be something to look out for to start the season next season. But at the same time, he has so much time to heal, so much time to get right. I think Tony Pollard's going to come back next season and be completely fine. I do think they keep on to holding on to Ezekiel Elliott, despite that awful trick play not being able to block at all. <laughs> that has nothing to do with his actual skill. I just thought that was funny. And what's it called? I think he's a great goal line back, though. And Tony, you see totally Tony Pollard to bring the ball up the field as your like elusive guy in, in the midfield and early on in drives. And then just using Ezekiel Elliott to punch it in. I think that's a really good system they were running that this year. And it did result in Tony Pollard getting injured. So maybe rely on Zeke a little bit more. Or just keep the same system. And hope that Pollard doesn't get injured next year. It just sucks to see those types of things. But it is what it is. And as for the passing game. Right. Dak Prescott had two interceptions in this game. And Brock Purdy had no interceptions in this game. So I think this also could be really played down to losing the turnover battle, right, as to why the Cowboys lost. And it sucks to see that type of thing, and especially because Dak Prescott, at least that first interception, was entirely his fault. You can make the argument that a lot of his interceptions in the season have resulted in wide receivers not being able to catch the ball and it just kind of bouncing up and the defender getting it, right? It was his fault. Both picks in this game were his fault entirely. Completely, utterly his fault. That's why they had those turnovers. That's why they lost. It's because they lost the turnover battle. And, I mean, as for C.D. Lamb, he had a good game. It's not like this passing game was so inefficient that they weren't even able to produce a good game for anyone. I mean, C.D. Lamb... He still had what's ten receptions for 117 yards. He didn't have a passing or a receiving touchdown, but nonetheless, that's still a good game to have for any wide receiver, and especially in the playoffs when you're fighting for trying to get to the Super Bowl. This is not on anyone else, in my opinion, on the offense rather than Dak Prescott and obviously the play calling to end the game. But you know, that's what it is. I'm trying to move away from that. It's just such a hard thing to move away from. Defensively is where the 49ers dominated, right? And obviously, that's what we expect. The game was fairly close. At one point, it was 9-9. Nine, nine. 
And, I mean, Brock Purdy didn't have a single passing touchdown, which should raise some potential alarm going into this NFC Championship. Right, the running game wasn't moving super well. Elijah Mitchell was their leader, lead rusher with 51 yards. And the passing game still did solid. George Kittle had five receptions for 95 yards. Debo with four receptions for 45. But like I said, it was really the defense that performed well. You have Fred Warner, who had a great interception, right? He also had seven tackles in this game. This was a really good game for Fred Warner in general. He played the best. He was the best defensive player on the field in this game, in my opinion. And he's just done great in this postseason. But yeah, what are your thoughts on this game after I summed up my opinions? Um, yeah, so I mentioned it in the past couple of weeks with you know, moving to Cowboys, the offense first. Um, mentioned it in, in previous weeks where if the Cowboys wanted to go far and they could have gone far. Um, this was a game that I was like, watch out, pay close attention to, you know, this could low-key could be an upset. Um, and it's because this this Cowboys offense, when they're moving, they are really, really good, and it's hard to stop them. Um, but it's all on the quarterback play, and, and that's how it's determined. This game was determined by how bad the quarterback play was from Dak Prescott. Um, the 49ers defense is tough. You know, they're going to get after you. They're, you know... But the way that you attack the 49ers defense is through their that their back half, their secondary. Um, that's how you get them. You get them over top, right? And the problem is, is Dak just doesn't have the capability of doing that. And you saw that multiple times in this game where he just threw passes just in terrible spots. And you know, and a big factor for quarterbacks is is ball accuracy, but also ball placement. And there was a couple times this game where ball placement was just not great at all. He'd put the ball behind the receiver, right where a a uh, corner or a linebacker. That's you know how Fred Warner got that interception. You know, was partially because of the ball placement that Doc Prescott had on the ball. You know, he just didn't he just didn't put the balls in the right spot to protect his receiver, but also protect the ball from not getting turnover. Um, and the best quarterbacks in the league do that. They're able to put the ball in spots where only that receiver can get it. And Dak doesn't do that. And I mentioned it so much last week where turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. You win the turnover battle, and if Dallas wins the turnover battle, they can win this game. I fully believe that. And But either yet, I said, Dak Prescott, when he, this year, has been a turnover machine. He has turned the ball over so much, and like I said, this game is 19 to 12. They theoretically, if that crazy play, even though it was horrible, that play would have worked, and they would have scored a touchdown. This game, but key, that game would be a lot different, right? But the thing that a lot of people forget though is, what if Dak doesn't throw those interceptions? How many opportunities could they have had to win this game? Like Isaac said, this game was tied nine to nine. This was anybody's ball game, but Dak just turned over the game. And you know, I know Dak's a good quarterback. I know he you know could be considered in the top ten for QBs. But the problem is, is you can't have a quarterback that's turned over the ball this much. You have to play a clean game, especially against a four nine defense like this. You're gonna have to play a clean game. Um, and and the the Cowboys defense did show up too. You know, like like. Um, Isaac mentioned Brock Purdy didn't throw a touchdown pass. It was kind of hard for Purdy to kind of find his spots, but he did just enough to win this game. You know, the difference, 
you look at Dak and you look at Purdy is that interception. Two interceptions from from Dak and the none the no interception from Brock Purdy. It's just consistently playing up to par until the game's all said and done. It don't matter these playoff games and these playoff games. It doesn't matter how you win. It just matters if you win. You just got to win the game. I don't care if it's the ugliest game in the world. Bengals-Ravens game. That was one of the ugliest games in the season for the Bengals, but they won it. At the end of the day, they moved on. The Ravens went home. Brock Purdy didn't play a clean game, but he still won. He's now going to play in the NFC Championship, and Dak's at home. Turnover battle was so key in this game, and Dallas Cowboys defense really came up and gave the Cowboys offense a chance to win this game. Um, and, and, and Dak just sold. I mean... There's nothing much else to say from that. Um, I'm really excited to see the 49ers play. I, again, that defense is just so good. Um, you know, there isn't really, like, even their secondary, like I mentioned earlier, where the, the only way really you can beat this 49ers defense is over the top. Their secondary is still good enough to do that. Um, but that's just their weakest spot on the defense, which is crazy to say. Um, but, yeah, this game was uh, this game was just interesting all around. Just a shame for the Cowboys their season in the way it did. For sure. For sure. And I think also a uh, thing that needs to be taken into account for in this next game for the 49ers, uh, there's never been a rookie quarterback in the NFC to make it to win a NFC championship. They've been playing. There, I think there's four to make it. Brock Purdy is five. But currently they're 0-4, if I'm correct, in the NFC championship. So that might be an issue that comes along with Brock Purdy. Or Brock Purdy might be the one to break it. We never know. Uh, I really hope that he is the one that will break it. I think that would be a legendary game to see. I think Brock Purdy definitely has potential to be a great quarterback. But at the same time, how much is it really his quarterback ability versus the actual scheme and place that he's in? I mean, I don't really know. You can't really fault someone we'll for there. I think we'll find out on Sunday. I don't. Really, I don't mean. I don't. I don't even know about that because they, he. I mean, Brock Purdy didn't throw a touchdown like in this game, and they still won, right? The the team mm-hmm. still played well. I think the only way that you can ever really define how good a quarterback really is is once they leave their system. Like we all thought, right? Or Russell Wilson was a good quarterback, a great quarterback, a top ten quarterback like for the majority of his time with the Seahawks and then he goes over to the Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett it it was really I think a systematic issue with that team and he doesn't play well so I I mean is Russell Wilson a system quarterback or is it that what's it called it's it was his fault it really just depends on how you look at it for now we can only tell how good Brock Purdy is by the system and by seeing what he is doing in these games, right? Granted, he has great weapons around him. I think, for example, like Justin Herbert, I was kind of having that same question last year was, will he end up just, is he like just a really good quarterback because of the place that he's in? Obviously, he has a lot of talent with his arm, but will he only find success because he is a charger? Or is it that he's actually a good quarterback. And I think this year has proved that he's actually a good quarterback. He lost his wide receiver one and two for a good portion of this game for of the season. And he still played great. He still played at a top ten quarterback level. I think Justin Herbert is a good example of that. Not saying that I want like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk all to get injured and then have Brock Purdy still dominate. That's not ever desirable. But 
No. I do want to see Brock Purdy perform well without much help. Or obviously, because everyone needs help. Without much at the help that he currently has, you know? Yeah, but yeah. I, I understand what you mean. Th- that's just kind of where my headspace is going into this Eagles Niners NFC Championship. However, the one that I was postponing the last, I'll let you talk about this game first, uh, is the Bengals and the Bills. The Bengals obviously won, so you could go ahead and start talking about them. Yeah. Um, this game really worried me going into it. Um, I was preparing myself every single bit that this could be our last game. Um, and the the script line definitely could have supported that. Um, script writers, I definitely... I would have believed that the NFL was rigged if the Bills won this game because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. And um, I know there's a whole thing with the DeMar Hamlin thing. I'm not even going to get into that. That's such a stupid theory, and I, I really just don't get it. Um, but really focusing on the, the football game um, this time. Um, the Bengals played really good. Man, they played really, really good. Um, Joe Burrow was lights out. Joe Burrow is being icy. He's being shysty. It's cold. I mean, Burrow is doing, you know, anything that he could. You know, he plays, like, when it, like when it's 40 degrees or below, the Bengals are undefeated. That's an ESPN stat. <laughs> they said that before the game, and I was but still dying of laughter. Neither, neither less, it is true. It is true. It is true. But the the way I see it, the way I see it right now is, is Joe Burrow played an, a great game. Um, but it really wasn't. Burrow played great, but somebody else played better, in my opinion. This offensive line played so good. Now, I know part of that goes into the fact that the Bills... Didn't have Von Miller, and that sucks. I hate injuries because it takes away the abilities for teams to be go on full head, full strength. Um, and and that really does suck for the Bills. Like I, you could tell their pass rush just wasn't getting to them. And you know maybe that was because the Bills' pass rush was a little bit dinged up, and it was just you know they were ranked 27th in the in pass rush after losing Von Miller, so it did affect them a lot. But I, I remember in this game going in the storyline, everybody was talking about all oh, this offensive line, you know. Um, Eric Weddle came out and said that the Bengals have a 0% shot to win the game because they can't protect Joe Burrow. Well, the offensive line did more than just protecting. They actually dominated. Um, the run game was lights out. Um, besides that, Joe Mixon, five rushing, that five rushing touchdown game that he had, played the second best game of his season. Um, 20 carries for 105 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Samaji P. Ryan right behind him was averaging 4.7. So this this line was doing whatever they they really wanted to. They were dominating in the trenches. Jackson Carmen looked great on the on the outside. Um, he had a really good pancake on I don't know I think when Tremaine Edmonds um, on one of the run blocking plays. Um, scheming wise, I loved how they how they ran their offense. Um, they used a lot of motioning of Jamar Chase trying to get him outside of it. So it was really hard for you know the Bills defense to kind of key on Jamar Chase. And, you know, obviously the, the the attention to Jamar Chase left other people open, such as Hayden Hurst, who had a really big game in this game. Uh, five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. You know, this game was really good for the Bengals on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um Came to Cam Taylor Britt had the best game of his of his of his career so far. 
on six tackles, but in a, a game-ending interception. Um, you played a good enough defense on on those outside receivers, which you know it's really really hard to do that, especially against Stephon Diggs and and Gabriel Davis, and you know obviously you gotta also throw in Dawson Knox in there because he's really good as well. Um, but yeah, Cam Taylor Britt did really good. I think he was ranked second in in PFF grade in that game. Really good game for Cam Taylor. Another big guy I want to shout out is Mike Hilton. The way that we use Mike Hilton, I love so much. He is a a tenacious dude. Like the, he was mic'd up during this game, and when you when he tackled somebody, you could hear every single bit of that tackle from him. I mean, he he's you know he's 185. But he don't tackle like he's 185 pounds. You know, he tackles like he's a linebacker. Um, so we got a lot of good tackling line, like corners, and I like that. Uh, Eli Apple, he was talking a lot, and you know, as a Bengals fan, you, you kind of like you kind of like you like the confidence, but sometimes you want to be like, oh, whoa, 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 dial it back. We not we know he was smoking cigars after the game. We not we not the Super Bowl yet. No, we got to win the Super Bowl first. I'm not I'm not trying to sit here and and make the Super Bowl and lose it again or lose an AFC Championship. You know what I mean? But let let's worry let let's do that after we win the, the whole thing, right? Um, he, he still played really good, um, good enough to against Diggs. Now, I think part of that is because of the scheming that Lou and Rumo had on this offensive juggernaut that, builds, that the Bills have. Um, you could tell Josh Allen was a little bit uh, freaked out or a little bit, you know, confused. Um, that's because they brought pressures at any point at different times from different ways. And... You saw that all the time. They would have Mike Hilton blitz off the edge, and then you know you would have Trey Hendrickson drop back in the coverage from that side, and have Mike Hilton blitzing off the edge. While on top of that, you have Jermaine Pratt coming in from the other side. You know, just things like that, where it's like scheming-wise, you love to see what Lou Anarumo is doing um, as a coach um, and making it hard on on Josh Allen. Now, um, I'm gonna like let Isaac kind of talk about the Bill standpoint from this because this is his team. Um, but from, from the Bengals' standpoint, I really loved how we played this game. This team's got confidence. Zach Taylor's got confidence. This whole team's got confidence going into, into um, head. I'm not going to say Burrowhead yet because we got to win in Burrow. We got to win in Arrowhead a couple more times to, for me to say that personally. But um, this team's got a lot of confidence going into the game. Their pass rush was amazing. I thought offensive line was amazing. Every single aspect of the Bengals' team was just great on this game and this was a really good game for the Bengals um but I'll let Isaac talk about um what he saw from the Bills um side yeah for sure and I I just want to preface it I think that this game was a lot easier for me to digest than last year's loss to the Chiefs because that game was so close you do that we were like we could have easily won that game. Our offense was moving, moving. We, if we won the coin flip, potentially we could have scored on that. Now we never actually know because butterfly, butterfly effect. We win the coin flip and then don't score or something, right? This game, the Bengals simply played better in every way. There was no aspect of football that we played better than the Bengals in this game. So they 100% deserve this winning. I'm not going to come out here butt hurt like, ah, we, we, we should have won this game. They, we we're should wearing have. white jerseys. Exactly. Yeah, they were wearing white jerseys. The snow, they, they, they were blending it with the snow. No, that's just idiotic, not smart takes to have about this game. We played worse. An objective fan of any team should be able to acknowledge would their team play bad. So let's get into it a little bit. What went wrong? Everything. I could conclude there. However, I'm going to go a little bit more <laughs> in depth with it. Right? The line work was absolutely awful. 
right? Starting off with our offensive line, we did not protect Josh Allen whatsoever. And when it came to that, Josh Allen did a all right job scrambling, but it definitely wasn't one of his best. Now, can we attribute that to the snow potentially? Yeah, however, we can't really. Look at what the Bengals offensive line did. Now, however, I, I think that could play into the Bengals having a really good offensive line game. However, I think it more attributes to our defensive line. Not trying to discredit the Bengals in any way, shape, mm. or form. However, I agree. I agree. our defensive line, we spent exclusively first and second round picks, and none of them showed up. They did not perform whatsoever. Did not create any pressure at all. Greg Rosale is one of the best defensive edge rushers, young defensive edge rushers, in the league, in my opinion. He did not show up in this game at all. Like you said, did have Von Miller? Did it really do well, right? And I think that really made the, get a, a big impact on this game. It was a similar situation against the Miami Dolphins. Our defensive line, they had a really banged-up offensive line, and our defensive line didn't get a sack. And the only person that got a sack against the Dolphins was Matt Milano, right? And he's not the one who's every single play going in and charging it to try to get at the quarterback. It's our defensive line. Our, in the playoffs, our line has not been good. I think that's a really key piece in, look, to look into for the draft and potentially the offseason is building up a better offensive line for Josh Allen or prioritizing the defensive line even more. Because, yes, we'll get Von Miller back. Yes, Greg Rousseau will, will make some developments, right? But there's always room to improve, right? We can always get some more depth. And I don't know if that's just an uh, effect of Brandon Bean, who hasn't done a good job about drafting these defensive linemen, right? Or if it was just came down to these, these games, because we saw the first game of the season against the Rams. We didn't line up for uh, let's play once, and we still had four sacks in that game, right? So we know that this defensive line can be good. They simply didn't perform well. And that can be attributed to the Bengals' offensive line just as much as it can be attributed to the Bills' defensive line playing bad. It goes both ways. It takes two to make a defensive line bad and not work, right? And then as Tech, keep on going with the defense, right? We did not stop running zone coverages. That very first play with Jamar, or in that very first drive with Jamar Chase got wide open, right? And just for that touchdown was the, f the immediately when a good defensive coordinator would have switched the scheme. Because the entire time, or at least the majority of the time, we were running a zone-covered system. A zone-covered system will not work against the Bengals. I understand not wanting to shadow these elite-level wide receivers. However, I really think that you could have got away with putting Taron Johnson on Tyler, Tyler Boyd, Kyrie Elam, who is a great young physical quarterback, on T. Higgins. T. Higgins still would have done great. Don't get me wrong. There's no stopping this, this team. However... That's the, I think this system would have worked better. And then a mixture of Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White on Jamar Chase. I think that should have been a, what they should have done. However, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier just don't know when to stop. They double down whenever they something isn't going well. They think that they are right so much that they've refused to make the change. And that's real annoying. And as I mentioned before, putting Tredavious White on Jamar Chase, I thought that would have been good. Apparently in this game, it simply wasn't. He had two PIs. Not easily, in my opinion, his worst performance this season, right? Not that he has a huge sample size, but after seeing such a dominant and great performance last game, I was really hopeful for this game, and it just didn't come out well. He had two PIs, and it showed its impact on this. So moving on over to the offensive side of the ball a little bit more, Gabe Davis didn't show up. Last year... I mean, even this year, I was talking about a playoff game. He had a great game last game. Last year, the divisional round, he had four touchdowns. That's the most in any playoff game by a wide receiver. 
in NFL history, right? I was expecting something uh, something like that, right? Him to par- come out, perform really well, right? And he just didn't. He didn't come to play. I think that might be something that we need to look into potentially in the offseason, is potentially upgrading our wide receiver too, or maybe not. I, I-, I think if we do try to do that, we would have to do that in the draft. I mean, we drafted Khalil Shakir this year, who I was not very high on to start. These playoffs really made me a lot higher on him. But even then, it's not like he got targeted a lot. It's not like that's going to be the case, right? And then the other wide receiver that we are associated with is Stefan Diggs, right? And there have been Bills fans complaining about, oh, well, he wasn't targeted in this game. There was too many. He got kept on getting double-teamed. That's a lie. He was targeted ten times. He only caught the ball four times, right? Now, granted, some of those were some poor passes from Josh Allen because, like I said, Everyone played bad in this game. It wasn't like Josh Allen was going out there playing hero ball to the best of his ability, because he wasn't. There were some times where there were issues. And people love to talk about this Stefan Diggs situation where he was getting really mad at Josh Allen and he tried to storm out of the field, or storm out of the stadium, and our practice squad running back had to bring him back in, and then he was only in for a couple minutes and then he left. Isaiah McKenzie apparently caught up with him figured out the whole situation. He's just really pressed about losing the same way over and over again, which is completely understandable. It really sucks. Everyone has that same mindset in a losses like this. It's just Stefan Diggs is an emotional wide receiver. That's just going to happen. I don't really see this situation, what's it called, spiraling too out of control, right? And uh, unlike another situation that I'll talk about in a minute, as for going back to some other things that, you know, didn't help us in the long run. At this point in the game, at least, we had already lost. I was fully convinced at halftime that we weren't coming back. The team was not moving in any way, and it was abundant, abundantly clear that we weren't going to come back. And then the loss of Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer in the fourth quarter, whenever they had that really awful hit, that was a scary hit, helmet to helmet, with our own two players, two of our best, no, I would say our easily our two best defensive players, debatedly, are two of our three best players on the team in general. We lost them, and they're in concussion protocol. Obviously, they'll be good to start the season next year, but it, that sucks. You just hate to see that. That kind of really definitely limited the amount of what we could do in that fourth quarter. Not that we could have done much based on how this game was going, but it, it still sucked. Uh, you talked about Mixon a little bit. He tore us up. Absolutely. Our, pass, our rush defense was awful. We just could not stop a single one, a single time whenever Joe Mixon got the ball. Tremaine Edmonds is a great run-stopping linebacker. He is our running defense. We picked up Tim Settle in the offseason in hopes of getting more run defense. And I think we only declined. We did not do as good as we did last year in defending the run game, in my opinion. And so with that being said, Mixon simply tore us up. And it, it, it sucks to watch. The Bengals corners, all three of them, played great. You talked about them too. Cam Taylor Briz, the person who I wanted the, the Bill to draft over Kyrie Elam. My top three were Roger McCreary, uh, Cam Taylor Britt, and Kyrie Elam. We got Kyrie Elam. I'm so grateful for that. He's still a really good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But... He, Cam Taylor Britt is that guy. He's like that. Mike Hilton is that guy. He's like that. He is a top three nickel quarterback in this league, right? 
he is still a really good cornerback. Definitely, I would say probably, uh, I'm not going to say that yet because I'm not entirely sure. Off the dome, I would say that he's probably a top 20 corner. Now, that could also be recency bias, but he's definitely been really good this season. And then Eli Apple, even though he, what's it called, isn't as good as the rest of the corners in this game, he still played a really great game. He's been a significant amount better this season than he was last season. Last season, he was easily the worst corner in football, in my opinion. And this season, he he took a step up, right? Even in the absence of Cheetah Bay Awuzier, this team, their cornerbacks, all performed really well. And Eli Apple, as much as I'm pressed that he's tra talk talking trash on Twitter to the Bills, it's understandable. I completely see it. I usually I would love to see the Bills players do that, right? I like seeing trash talk take place. I think that makes the game more entertaining. I don't think that's a like sign of, oh, y'all are crybabies. Grow a pair. Just play football. Whatever, right? I think that that is really entertaining and provides the entertainment. And it's really a strategy. Eli Apple was getting into the heads of our wide receivers the entire game. And it, it was inter an interesting thing to see. As for the, what's it called, coverage in general for the Bengals, there's a stat that came up that I saw that apparently the Bengals had perfect coverage on 67% of the Bills' passing plays. Holy crap. 67. That means that they would have had, they would have required Josh Allen to roll out of the pocket and try to make a play happen, like get something to get something going, right? I think that really just sums up this game in general. Our offense was not able to move. The Bills, the Bengals' defense clamped us. We could not do a thing. We just, it was simply impossible, basically. 67% is wild. That's just kind of my final thoughts of the game. So, if you have anything more to say, Aaron, go right on ahead. You good, man. All right. Let's go to the AFC Championship. Let's see what, let's see what, let's see what happens this Sunday. Well, in that case, there you go. Uh... This was a fun podcast. We're going to go ahead and see y'all next week whenever we're talking about the AFC Championship, whatever that may be. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. See you. Yep.